So I'm going to uh, pray for us. Um, if you have uh, something that you can look at the Bible on uh, or in, um, we'll be in John 3 uh, this evening. Uh, let me pray for us. Uh, Father, we, uh, we thank you for the ability to gather. Uh, Father, but most of all, we thank you that you care about us and, um, and that you want us um, to know you. And um, Father, that uh, to know you, um, it takes a supernatural blessing uh, from you. Father, as you draw us, um, as you transform us, um, as you bring us to yourself, and as you seal us with your gifts, um, all of those things are things that you do for us because you love us. And so tonight I pray that um, as we begin unpacking some things that you told us to do, uh, Lord, that we would um, understand why it is that uh, we and everyone else, including myself, needs to be born again. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we, uh, we ask that you would teach us now. In Christ's name, amen. Um, so as we go uh, throughout the uh, semester, when I'm the one teaching or somebody else, um, I'm going to be showing, uh, sharing parts of my testimony, and I hope that that's something um, that you will begin doing with uh, friends that you have, um, that you let them in on your life, like the intimate parts of your life, the things that um, they need, uh, that people should know about, because it testifies about God's goodness, um, and it's something that um, is helpful. Um, but when I'm the one standing before you, I always want you to remember, um, or anyone else up here, that we're no savants, right? That we didn't just get it. Um, I have made the same mistakes as you. I have had similar experiences navigating life as a follower of Jesus, navigating life as not a follower of Jesus. And I have misunderstood all sorts of things about the Bible. So I want to make sure that you see me um, as one that can be helpful and as a share of my experience with Jesus at the ground level, right? So that you can have hope. So this semester we'll be talking about Jesus's commands. These are the things that he told us that we need to do. These are the things that we need to do so, uh, so that we can move from where we are to where he is. And so life with Jesus looks like living as he did. And so uh, the first command we're going to look at tonight, uh, tonight is his commandment to be born again. And so let's look at this passage where he says this and, um, and have a conversation about it. So if you'll turn with me to John 3, uh, 1 through 10. And it says, There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you... Are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, How can anyone be born when he is old? He asked him, and as can he enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. Whatever born is spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can these things be, said Nicodemus? Jesus replied, are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? So in the Gospel of John, 
uh, chapter 3, we have this story involving a late night conversation between Jesus and a Pharisee named Nicodemus. So let me tell you two things about Nicodemus that will be helpful for you. So a Pharisee in their time was sim similar to a fundamental, uh, fundamental conservative in our time. They want to protect the status quo. They're rigid in their ideas. They think everyone should be a rule follower. But he's not a bad guy. These are not necessarily bad things. He's not the bad guy in the story. He's just a guy who happens to be one of the main rulers and teachers of other rabbis uh, across Israel. And again, that's just who he is. We don't want to judge him. So Nicodemus wants to meet Jesus because he has seen him do things that only God can do. And he has questions. We have questions. When we've seen God do things, we should be able to go to him and ask. Nicodemus wants to have questions, respectful questions. And Nicodemus also views Jesus right, as a teacher or rabbi. And he sees him as at least an equal and probably views him as an authority. This is really important because he's actually asking. We know this. And in all the ways that Jesus could have responded to this man, his first question is to make sure that he understands that you must be born again. And so our takeaway before we, uh, before we have a conversation more about kind of that phrase is this idea that we can be confused by things. That we cannot understand. And Jesus wants us to understand. Nicodemus who knew, he thought he knew everything <laughs> there was to know about the, Jesus, the Jewish faith, but he had questions. There was things that were happening that he didn't know about. And so, um, so in our conversation tonight, I want to, to talk about three things. I want to clarify what this idea means so that you can walk out of here, uh, so that can be helpful for you and helpful for others that you might talk to about this. Right, so that you can know where you are, um, and that you, uh, and that you can uh, then know what to do from here. So let's first talk about this idea of being born again, that spiritual rebirth is needed. So there's several scriptures that deal with this, so I'm just going to talk to you about a few of them. But here we're just looking for clarity. Uh, there's lots of ideas that we have, but this is one that we use language-wise, but I don't say if anyone asks you, well, how does this happen? We may not be able to explain it, and so that's what I want to make sure you have a little bit better idea of first. So the first scripture I'd like you to look at or mark in your Bible uh, is Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. Here, read it with me. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of the world, according to the rulers of the power of the air, the spirit now working in disobedience. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as others were also. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive. Even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. So he uses these two phrases that we want to make sure that we catch up on, that we are dead, and it's because that we are away from him, but that he can make us alive, that he can make us something that we weren't previously, specifically spiritually. That we are spiritually dead, but it is God who can make us alive. 
Now, why am I dead? It's because my mind and my heart have been formed away from God. I want you to think about all of the things that you've been exposed to, all of the people that you've been exposed to, all the things that they've taught you, all the things that your heart and mind have been um, vying for, chasing after. And I want you to make a judgment that are those things good things? I want you to make a judgment about are those things things that are uh, forming you in the way of God or is your heart being formed away from Him? Who is in charge of your spiritual formation and what has that led to? See, outside of God, the world is in charge of our spiritual formation. Amen? That it is the biggest influence over how we think and how we act and how we feel about ourselves and what we think we should be doing. And but because my heart and mind are formed away from God, my heart is sick. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is more deceitful than anything else. It is incurable. It is desperately sick. And we know this from experience, don't we? The things that it wants and how it makes us feel. Not immediately. I have um, three children under, uh, four children under the age of 11. I forgot about that last one. And uh, as soon as they've had sugar, they don't want anything else. But you had a diet on sugar. It tastes good going down, but, but it's not for nourishment. It's not for formation. Spiritual death is all people's condition that are living away from God. We're being formed for death away from Him. And God knows this. And so he says a prophecy in Ezekiel 36, 26, in which the prophet says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. The insinuation is that you need one. That I need one. And that God knows that there's nothing that's going to really happen until I give you one. You can try your best. You can rub some dirt on it. You can shoot some Windex on it, try to wipe it off. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. See, God knows what you need, but He tells you what He will do. A new heart and a new spirit means new life. The father in the story of the prodigal son, if you've never um, heard that story, it is a, uh, of a son who uh, wants what he has coming to him very quickly. He goes and enjoys himself very much, but quickly, much like candy, kind of goes right through it. <laughs> and there's not much there. And he decides through uh, many different ways just to see if the father will let him live at his house, not as his son anymore, but just as a hired servant. And yet his father doesn't have the reaction that he wants to have. Um, he declares this when he sees them. He, he calls for a feast and a celebration. And he says this, Because the son of mine was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. 
And so they began to celebrate. That away from God were dead, with God were alive. The son of mine was dead. He is alive again. To be born again is language that Jesus is using with Nicodemus and is using for us to describe spiritual awakening. Right? Being alive to things that I wasn't alive to before. It's not a, hey, let's um, do a little bit better, that I'm holy, I can be wholly different. Spiritual awakening allows my need, uh, meets my need for God's new life and for reaching out for Him. He gives me supernatural heart transformation and the giving of God's Spirit to dwell in a person that it hadn't before. And just like real birth, the baby can't make it happen. In John 1, 12 and 13, he says this, But to all who did receive him, who all who came to him, wanted him, moved towards him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who trust in his name, who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. So to be born again is something that God does for us out of love because we need it, because I can't, I, I'm stuck where I am. The second thing I want to share with you is have, have you been born again? And so I need to share my testimony here because I think it'll be instructive for you. Um, and maybe you see yourself a little bit in my story. So um, I was away from God for the first 14 years of my life. And away from Him meaning I'd, uh, I'd heard about Him, I, uh, but I, I was not in a family of faith. I did not have a Bible. Uh, no one had ever told me that uh, there was this man, Jesus, and what he did for me and, and how I can have a relationship with him. Never heard any of that. Uh, the summer before my freshman year in high school, um, I was uh, taken to a youth group and dropped off. Everybody was super nice to me. Great. I didn't know what was going on. And the, for the first time, I heard um, who Jesus was and what he did for me and what he wanted to do for me. And um, the Holy Spirit, I would describe it as, was pulling me. Um, that as I was sitting there trying to kind of get through the message, he it just everything in fiber of my being like wanted to respond. I do not know to what because <laughs> I had no reference for this, but just every fiber of my being wanted just to go to him, to give him all my stuff, to tell him all my stuff. I, this is the weird. I'd never had an experience like this before. Nobody gave me any language for that. That's just I'm telling you what I felt. And yet, as he pulled me, kind of tied me and pulled me, I gripped my legs hard, I hold on to the chair and said no. And I went back and it happened again and I kept saying no. But I liked these people. I liked this Jesus. I liked what he was saying. And so I kept hearing it. And they would prompt me, Rob, do you have questions? I got tons of questions. They answered my questions. I kept going back. About a, um, about a year later, um, I began to live as a Christian. I had heard the news. I had understood the things. 
But as I said over and over again, as he was pulling me to something different, I wasn't ready for that yet, but I was ready for what I was ready for. And so in my language now, I began living as a Christian. I was baptized, and I began to do all the things that I saw the people around me do, and read the, read the book, and, and ask questions, and do the things, and just fit in. It was great. But the summer uh, before college, um, I got into some sin that was a little uncharacteristic of me up until that point. And it really bothered me because I wasn't as bothered as I thought I should be. Had, I was having a good time. I just was, the, the way that I was living as a Christian, I just wasn't kind of quite doing that as much as I had been. So fast forward to spring semester freshman year. I'm at Carolina. Um, it's a Saturday night. I, uh, I was having trouble sleeping. I was home. I lived by myself. Um, and in the middle of the night, this uh, verse uh, came into my head, Matthew 7, 21. Anybody know this verse? It's at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Turn there. I want you to, I want you to, um, to see it. Matthew 7, 21. said, Lord, Lord, did we not um, prophesy in your name? Did we not do the things that um, we thought that you would like? And he said, depart from me, for I never knew you. That was the thing that stuck into my head. I couldn't get over it. Like, I was just, I couldn't sleep. Nobody had gone to any Christian meeting. I hadn't read my Bible the night before. It's just the Holy Spirit was like, he just put this in my head, and I just kept turning and turning, and I just couldn't get over it. It's probably about five o'clock uh, in the morning that I finally got up and I thought and I paced. And here's the feeling I had. I don't know if you've ever had this feeling. I have been living in a relationship that I was not committed to. Have you ever been in a regular relationship like that? And it really bothered you? That I've been living in a relationship that I was not committed to. That's my words now because I've thought about that um, that morning for many years. Another way to put it uh, now is in my own words, I had been living with God without being married to Him. Does that make sense? Why does this matter? It's the same reason why we have wedding ceremonies, because a commitment is a part of a relationship. Right? You've all been in relationships that were not committed. They're awesome, aren't they? There's nothing but heartache. See, commitment in a relationship is both of us knowing whose we are. To me and my wife, I'm hers. She's mine. To God, Rob's mine. To Rob, 
God's mine. I know him. God wanted to be my king. I wanted his forgiveness, his blessings, his truth, his people without the commitment. So what does this have to do with being born again? And this metaphor, I think that this is the ring. I think being born again is his ring to us. God has said, As Rob, I've always wanted to be married to you. But I was the non-committal one, not him. It's not his problem, it's my problem. With that, with that commitment comes a new heart and a new spirit. How I think we should look at that is those are his gifts to us. That as he draws us, as he woos us, as he reminds us, as his Holy Spirit does the work and we want to come and we come to him and we tell him all the things that we need to say and he gives us those gifts. He transforms us. So there's more to the story, but we need to take a pause. But that story needs to be told. I want you to think about what your story is, your specific story. Hey, my story is that I've, heard, I've had God pulling me in different points my entire life, and I have never responded. Or I've never really understood what to do, or I have responded, but I'm not really sure what it meant or how I... if I've been transformed. So I want to talk to you real quick about how I think we can think through this and then I'll finish the story and, um, and finish my conversation. See, I think that that's something you need to figure out. Even if, it, if you have been transformed, if you have been born again, it's something that you need to um, think about because your story is going to be so impactful to somebody else as they're sharing their confusion or their misunderstanding that you thinking through that, that you having answers, that you understanding what that feels like and what that looks like and what God says about it is necessary. You might be here and you're searching. You might be here and you're struggling. Or maybe right now remembering what your story is when He transformed you. When, you get, when He gave you the gift of new life. I want to talk to you about how um, the Bible uh, helps us understand kind of three different stages of belief. And so this is a model from somebody else, but, um, but this is a biblical model. I just want to talk to you real, real quick about it. There's a slide that just says knowledge, assent, and trust. And I want to put where, my, where I was and see if this is helpful for you. See, knowledge is knowing that Jesus exists and what he did and who he is. Right? I, can't, I can't know him. I can't be in a relationship with him. Just like I remember my freshman year in high school, the first time that I could like be in a relationship and some guy says, hey, this girl likes you. I was like, okay. <laughs> right? I hear some news. And so I need to know the news. I need to have knowledge of the liking right? before I can do something about it. This is knowledge. Everyone in the entire world needs to know that Jesus exists, who he was, what he did, and what he wants from them, and what he offers. Everyone needs that. But that is not 
biblical faith that's not being born again. Once we have that, as we have questions, as we learn, as he teaches, as we listen, we come to believe that, that it's true, that he lived, that he died, that he did miracles, that he wants to be present with me, that he reigns, that he's the king. See, I can believe all that stuff is true. It's really important, but that also is not being born again. See, actually, that's where a lot of us stop because we don't know any better. That was me. As I went to church, as I learned, I believed that it was true. And so I just started living as if it was true. And that's important. We need to do that. But I didn't do the last thing. And this is what I'm calling stopping short. And I believe that a lot of other people that have have some engagement with faith, with a faith community, with God, with Jesus. I think a lot of this is a lot of people's story that they've stopped there, that they've stopped short of supernatural transformation. They've stopped short of actual relationship with God. We need the first two things. We need knowledge. We need to believe it's true. But have we trusted him in that last step? Being born again, being made alive again, it's just language that God used because it's helpful. Hey, this is something that I can't do. Being born again, being made alive to God and for God is not, I think I did that. <laughs> right, when we put it in those terms, it sounds kind of silly how we answer those questions sometimes. Right? I think I did that. If you were born again, think you would know, like physically. Anybody seen the old movie Ace Ventura 2? I dare say Google it, but there's this scene where he is birthed out the back of a, of a rubber rhinoceros, and it is the most ridiculous scene you've ever seen. <laughs> One person here has seen it. But I think about that often about being bored again because he's a grown man, and he comes out, and it's traumatic. Like there's someone that watches it, and they almost like vomit. But I make the point here because I have this conversation. I've had people have this conversation with me, and yet we're kind of, eh. I promise you my wife remembers each birth that she had. <laughs> and your parents do as well. Not that when God transforms us that it, that it needs to be something super specific, but it does need to be something. We all know when we have wanted to commit to something, when we have, and when we haven't. There's a lot of language that's used to describe this commitment. I was saved when I gave my life to Christ at, I was baptized, I grew up in church, I prayed a prayer, I one of those things, but then I recommitted myself. All these things are, it's fine language. These are, these are things that I have said, that you have said, that people have said to me to describe how they think they came to Jesus. 
When we move from death to life, a prayer is, is appropriate. It can act as a vow of commitment, right? So the people are no more committed when they say the vows, but the vows are important, aren't they? For everyone. <laughs> it's good, but it isn't what saves. It's God who moves you from one death to the other life. And he marks you as his with a new heart inclined to him and a new spirit to lead, encourage, and teach. Ephesians 1.13 says this, In him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you trusted. See, it says believe, but it means trusted. I'll go into that sometime later. So let me finish my story, and we'll close. And I'll give you some time to talk. See, so remember back that I had not made the commitment. I realized this is, this is my problem. Lord, that I've wanted all the things about you without making a commitment to you, without giving you my life, without giving you control. I did all the things, and I stopped, except I stopped short. And as I came to this realization... At about 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning, that I had not committed myself, and I wasn't sure if I knew God. I knew about Him. I liked Him. But I, but I honestly said I was in a crowd, and I was like, right, have you ever done that? Like, been bold enough to kind of jump, and, and then you're like, oh, I don't... I don't think they, I don't think they saw me. But when it's your friend that you're intimate with, that you are close to, there's no, there's no issue, is there? You don't have to wave your hand like they see you in, in, about, in 500 people. That, that, I can't describe it. That's the feeling I had. I was like, I, and that scared me so bad. Because it was in that moment I didn't know before. 18 years old, 18 years of my life, I'd never felt that feeling. But in that moment, I felt scared. Because something that I thought was true wasn't true. I have no idea where you're at with this, but that's where I was. And because I was really sad, I was really upset, I was really emotional. I'm by myself in the house. And I started crying like Jordan tears, like huge, fat, like just probably cried like I hadn't cried ever. But then that emotion, just that sadness, that being upset, that emotion turned into resolve because the Holy Spirit was telling me in that moment that, hey, there's, there's no problem here. Actually, you fixed the problem. <laughs> that, the, that the person that you've been kind of living with not committed to you like that person you love that person you want to be committed to them and so because that was the case he said Rob you can change that reality right now and so in between my tears and my sobs it's probably about 6.15, 6.20 at this point, so I confessed that to him. 
God, I don't know if I don't know you. I don't know why I didn't understand, but I understand now. I shared how sorry I was and in many words said that I wanted to follow him and be his for all time. And I asked for his forgiveness for not understanding earlier, for not understanding, for not doing it sooner. And it was at that moment that I traded my life for his. I knew. It was at that moment that I was born again. That he gave me a new heart. He gave me his spirit. As I was thinking about this today, um, I want to show a picture. Um, I found this today. Thought the, the right response was to write it down. 27 years ago, five months and 25 days, I was, I was born again. It felt right. See the terrible, like when you used to like practice your, <laughs> your signature? In the, it, that is not my tears. It's not tear stained. It just got wet. <laughs> but I had to zoom in on. I haven't probably looked at this in 15 years. It was in something my wife was nice enough. I think it's here. Can you find it? I never even thought about it until I was kind of working this out with the Lord this week. But it says 625.01. Apparently I had like a digital watch with seconds on it. And it says March 17th, 1996. That's my son's birthday. And I said, yes, Lord. And so I began my real journey with my king that day. I had lived with him for a while. But I hadn't let him change me. He changed me that day. And he's been changing me ever since. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to give you a minute. I'm going to ask you a question, do a little activity. Um, but I also understand that, hey, you can, this can just be a good story, and you're like, Rob. <laughs> but I suspect, right, that this is probably really helpful for you. I suspect that this is maybe uh, starting to kind of stir some stuff up in you, even if it's stuff that you didn't really think about how it went. That, hey, I was... I made a decision when I was 12, but I recommitted my life at, at 17. That, that actually probably was when I was born again, not at the first time. And so I hope whatever, however the story impacts you, I pray that you keep moving forward with what it is. And I suspect that you probably need to have a conversation with somebody. And so real quick, this is kind of weird, but here's my number. Uh, because I know that this is not something we're not... Uh, that we're in real time in real life, but I want right, you to make sure that you have somebody start this conversation that needs to happen with you. Doesn't need to be happen tonight, but it needs to happen soon. And so if you take my number, if you text me and say, hey Rob, I'd like to talk. I would like to ask you some questions. I would like to tell you a little bit of my story. My story. Can you tell me where you think I am? What you think I need to do? I'd be, I'd be happy to do that. Let me pray for us, and I'm going to give, ask you to do an activity, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up.
Father, I pray that um, this semester as we think through um, things that you've asked us to do and that we clarify those things and we help understand that you do them, that you've asked, you said that you must be born again. That we have done all sorts of things, Father, that people have said it was okay. Yet here, uh, that I was a person who didn't understand that was not okay. I hope everybody in this room is not like I was, but I suspect that there's quite a few that my story resonates with. Father, I pray that, that you would break down our pride. Lord, there's nothing, nobody needs to run up here. Nobody needs to do anything overly emotional, Father, but they do need to run to you and they need to make a commitment to you as you're drawing them. As you do all the things to tell you that they want to be yours, Father, and that, that for you to have mercy on them and for you to forgive them, Father, and to bring them into relationship with you and so they can start that new life. And so, Father, I pray tonight that new life would begin for all that you would call. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.